Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast, hosted by Damon Piatek, President and CEO of Welkie Customs Brokers USA. Damon is a licensed US customs broker and certified customs specialist with more than 18 years experience in the import, export, customs transportation and logistics sectors. Each month, Trade Secrets will bring you guests in the industry to provide their insights on timely trade issues to give you an advantage in international trade. So now, let's talk trade. Welcome to the podcast, Damon Piatek, President and CEO of Welke Custom Brokers. Uh, today, we have a returning guest, Craig Turner. He is the Executive Director of the World Trade Center Buffalo, Niagara. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Damon. Great to be here. And again, again, yeah. So we had you on a, a couple, couple, probably over a year the ago. Very first the episode. very first episode. So this is this is kind of a uh, a monumental th- thing here. This is uh, this is excellent. So we talked last time. We talked about USMCA replacing NAFTA. We talked about a number of different things in trade. Um, we just had a an event for World Trade Center Buffalo Niagara, which was the case competition. And uh, tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, that was pretty exciting. I got to be one of the judges, which was a lot of fun. And uh, I think I called you afterwards and said, this was probably one of the most exciting things I've done, right? So go ahead. Tell us about the case competition and kind of background on it. It really is one of the more rewarding things we do during the year, uh, seeing the student teams get a chance to display their talent. I tell you, uh, four years ago, we were trying to figure out a way, as everybody is trying to wrestle with workforce and wrap their hands around what workforce is going to be, we went to some of the schools and said, how do we how do we have a better relationship with you? How do we make the let the trade community have a better relationship? And a lot of that ends up being internships. You build internship programs with the uh, you know through your organization. The chambers of commerce do this. We've done this at World Trade Center. Uh, with the schools, and the schools can provide interns through you to to the companies. Uh, it works sometimes. It doesn't work all the time. One of the challenges is sometimes a school will give a good intern, and they get a they get a reputation for giving good interns. On the flip side, sometimes the schools will give a bad intern, mm-hmm. and they get a reputation. No, we're not going to get interns from that school anymore. So it's it's, it's a tricky thing to manage. Um, but we went in and said, How, what different can we do? Like, can we do something um, uh, a little more forward-thinking than just running another intern program? And they came back and said, why don't we do a regional case competition for the international students, the business students? And uh, we put it together first year. We had four teams and wanted to just see how it went and it was fantastic everybody loved it and we were excited for it to keep it going well now we're four years in and it's become a real event that the schools that the that the schools gear up for and they start preparing for and it's it's really been kind of neat and, and like you said it's it's super rewarding because uh, you know there's a lot of stigmas and a lot of stereotypes about the future workforce and what they're going to be and what they're willing to do and how you're going to have to cater to them to uh, to get them to come work for you and things like that. And you just see these students up there on stage loving what they do and just really in 24 hours doing an awesome job. Uh, they only get 24 hours to do the case, and we laugh because... The case this year was about uh, global supply chain, all the challenges. I mean, yeah. it was the obvious one that we were going to work on this year. And we gave them 24 hours to solve what all of the rest of us are working on full time uh, and haven't figured out yet. So the, the answers they came with, they were insightful. They just they did a really great job and uh, and very, very professional with the presentations. And, and it's neat to see the 
as people understand what we're trying to accomplish, just to see the, uh, the student teams getting better and better each year. Yeah, it was very impressive what they did. The presentations were great. And like you said, to, to, to solve what's going on with the global supply chain right now, there's so many aspects to it. And I think the teams did a really good job of picking one aspect of the supply chain, addressing everything, but picking that one aspect that you can focus on. And that I, that's even good advice for the companies out there. Hey, let's, you know, how do you eat an elephant one, one bite at a time? Pick one aspect of your global supply chain, solve that problem, move on to the next one. This came down to two universities, Brock in Canada and Niagara University in the U.S. They did a phenomenal job. I didn't get to see the first first run. How many how many were involved this year? How there many? were six teams overall. And, uh, yeah, the final round was Brock University and Niagara University. Brock won in a very, very close. Uh, very The judges deliberated, and it was very, very close. Brock has won all four years. Oh, wow. They are animals when it comes to doing these these uh, these presentations, and, and they do a very good job. They're well-trained. And what's neat is as they continue to win, you see the other schools are creeping up and creeping up and creeping up, and, and, uh, and just it, it, it's neat because the level of competition – Again, back to that first year, we threw it out there and tried to see what it would do. You know, these schools do case competitions throughout the year, and they have teams that are trained to do these things and you know these high-profile national case competitions. So let's do a local one. Right. Well, the competition has gotten so good that everybody's getting better and better and better, and you just see that the training that goes into it, and and it, it's super rewarding because it was yeah. you know it was an it was an idea that we had, and and to see these students enjoying it and the judges. You're not the first judge to come back and say, uh, uh, that was an awesome experience, I can't wait to do it again. Most of the time our judging roles are requested the year before because it really is it really is a great experience. Yeah, it was very, very enjoyable. So with the supply chain, it was interesting that they you know, the way they drilled down and one of the one of the topics that they talked about was the backup at the port of LA. And I think what they've seen doing the case competition and doing their research was what a lot of people didn't see was that there's other ports available that aren't backed up and i think what happened was the media was like oh this is backed up and every port in the world is backed up and this is everywhere well no it was la and there was some repercussions of what was going on locally in la that caused part of that backup outside of covid um and i think that's where we really need to as importers as exporters as companies in global supply chain we need to become more sophisticated and not just take everything that the news gives us and say oh well that's that's the way it is which i'm sure there's a lot doing and it was right before christmas and that you know get get your things early and and right. i know you and i talked many times and we were looking at uh, the pick the famous picture of best buy yeah everybody's worried about the uh, you know the the supply chain crisis and and i mean i know the best buy by us had so many tvs they had to put them in the walking aisles like they, they just didn't have they didn't have room for all their inventory, and you're like, well, the news is telling me this, but what's going on over here? And, and what's interesting is we talk about this all the time at World Trade Center. The backup uh, in Southern California that made the news and the very dramatic pictures of all the ships waiting out at sea, like you said, there's other ports. Does it happen tomorrow? No. No, it doesn't happen tomorrow, but this industry, this is what we do. We find solutions. Right. And there, there are obvious solutions to something like that. Now, if I'm you know, at the time, I'm waiting for a specific toy for my child to come over for Christmas from China. Right. 
it could be on one of those boats, and it's going to come in mid-February. <clears throat> That's just going to happen. Yeah, there was, yeah. you know, it, it was. In, and what's interesting about the whole thing is that we we eat, sleep, live, and breathe this. We're following supply chain all the time. We we're paying attention to what's going on in the world. Most people don't. Right. Most people hit purchase on Amazon, and then they sit at the door waiting for the box to show up. They have no idea what happens in between. We know. And we know that, the, that they're constantly trying to find solutions. So here was a situation where people actually had to pay attention to it. And all of a sudden, the word supply chain, the word logistics, cargo, all these different things, people are saying are understanding what's what's going on. I had a yeah. conversation with my, my wife. There was a uh, – uh, she ordered something. They told her it's not going to get there till February, but – but her daughter ordered something from China, and it came a week later. Well, it just happened to go to Tacoma or, or Vancouver, and it didn't go right. through L.A., well, where, whereas our stuff is sitting on on a boat uh, just off of Long Beach. Just off of Long Beach, yeah. And that, that also brings up the uh, boat that was uh, in the Suez Canal that got uh, jammed in the Suez Canal. It didn't affect the entire supply chain. And I think, unfortunately, the mainstream media kind of overblows. You know, it, it, it's just overbearing, and it's just, hey, this is going to cause so much more backup in the global supply chain, and everything's stuck because of the guy in the Suez Canal. It was a small portion of the global supply chain. It wasn't the entire supply chain. And um, actually, the article I read this morning was China is shutting down some factories because of COVID again. So there's another backup in the global supply chain for those companies that are using those manufacturers and i think the how complex the global supply chain is is very important for importers to understand well then the other but the piece of that is that there's folks like you and the logistics experts and supply chain experts that are working on this they you know so china's going to shut down factories is is there going to be an impact in the u.s probably Yeah, yeah but there are solutions doesn't happen tomorrow, but within two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, solutions will begin to present themselves. Now, what's interesting over the last two years, because the, the pandemic caused so many problems, right? you're not, companies aren't looking just at temporary solutions or move to a different porter. Now you're starting to talk about uh, onsourcing and, and bringing things closer to home, bringing your entire supply chain closer to home, making use of, uh, of, uh, free trade agreements and things like that because this you know a lot of this started even before the pandemic with the China right. tariffs and some of the US Canada stuff there's different options that you can get into that are more long term thinking when you know we talk about onshoring yeah all right great idea on paper right what's it take you to take your you know you're getting some, something from China what's it going to take you time and money to build your new factory in the US right it's not it, it doesn't happen, happen overnight. it doesn't happen tomorrow and it's a, it's could a be decision. 6 months could be a year yes. could be 2 years before that solution is there and it's and a co- complete change of business model yeah, and we've seen that happen with the 301 duties. I mean, we helped a couple companies change the country that they manufacture their products in. It took them a good six months to find another source for the product that they wanted. And then on top of that, to build in some of those trade agreements that we have, rather than paying 12% duty, now you know they had the 12% plus the 27%. Now they're at 0% because they picked a country that we have a trade agreement. And yeah, they're paying a little bit more for the product, but that all goes into that planning. It took them about a year to do that, but now where they're at, they're in a much better place, closer. No duties or taxes paid on it. It's you know, but it is. You're right. It's not 
an easy fix. It's and not you, a quick and fix. you also need to need to understand you're not the only company doing it when, right. when you're doing it. Because I, re- I read recently, so you know, as the China tariffs started, so this is before the pandemic, companies were flocking to Vietnam to start mm-hmm. getting their sourcing. Well, now they're saying Vietnam's out of room. There's no right. more capacity in Vietnam. Um, what do we have? The, the Port of New York said that um, this was, again, before the pandemic. Uh, I think in like I'm, I'm I'm stumbling over the years, but I think in 2018 Vietnam was not even on um, their top ten import list, and in 2019 they were in the top ten. In the top ten, yeah, yeah. I think they were number five. So that's you saw that the, it was happening. People right. were changing their sourcing, uh, but now they're saying. Vietnam's just over capacity. There's no more room. Capacity. You got to look somewhere else now. No more room. No more workers. No more. You know, it just it happens very quickly. So that that uh, that option is now. Where's the next option? Right. Yeah. So and I think companies are looking many different places. They're looking Mexico. They're looking Canada. They're looking. But again, Canada, Mexico only have so much capacity. Canada, we already get. Uh, We get a lion's share of their products here in the United States, where they're, you know, where their main export country. We're buying a lot of their products, anyways. How much more capacity does Canada truly have? How much more capacity does Mexico have? Um, Those are all questions that you need to start asking if you're in global supply chain. And it's a it's a funny thing too because I I said it, it kind of with a negative overtone. You have to remember that you're not the only one making these changes and finding these solutions. What's interesting now is that there are solutions out there, and to some degree, because people are still looking for solutions, you have to be the only one finding these solutions. It's interesting from our perspective yeah. with World Trade Center because, you know, one of our one of our bread and butters is is doing uh, panel discussions on supply chain. Right now, if you've got solutions for supply chain. You're not sitting on a panel and telling everybody else what you're doing. You are getting the job done for yourself and keeping it to yourself because you don't want to lose workers, you don't want to lose containers, you don't want to lose shipping routes. Uh, it's it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. You know, people yeah. people are putting their head down, figuring out what they need to figure out, which they do. That's what this industry does, mm-hmm. and then not telling anybody about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and you see Walmart buying ships. Yes, they're doing it themselves. Amazon doing it themselves. So there's there's workarounds and using different ports, and there's plenty of options. It's just you have to do the research and find them. And I think that's where a lot of companies get stuck. It's been they've been doing it that way for. 15, 20, 100 years, and they just get stuck doing it that way. They don't look at what the other options are. So, Craig, if somebody's interested in getting in touch with the World Trade Center, becoming a member, um, what's the best way to get in touch? Best way to do it, uh, our website, WTCBN.com. That's World Trade Center Buffalo Niagara. We are a part of the World Trade Center's Association, which is WTCA.org. There are about 330 World Trade Centers around the world. No matter what market you're in, there's probably one there. You can always start with us because we'll, we can funnel you to wherever you need to go. But that, that's the easiest way. Yeah. I'd also recommend, I mean, follow us on LinkedIn, too, if because we're, we're providing sure. updates on supply chain and, and uh, you know, a little more, you know, a website's a website. Yeah. A lot of a lot of resources on it, but LinkedIn is where we're going to continue to update and be on top of the things yeah. that are. That and are and I do have to say it's a great network to be involved in because we're able to solve 
problems for companies. We just real life example. I have a company that was trying to import coffee from Mexico. Mm -hmm. We use the World Trade Center network to get him in touch with somebody in Mexico to help with those export regulations down there and then get the coffee into the U.S. So it we're helping people on a daily basis. Yeah, and part I, part of the so part of the association is is to be able to have that. You know, our job is to build and build that network so that so that our members can tap into it. Yeah, and it's it's very useful, definitely useful. So before we go, um, you authored a new book. Mm-hmm. It just uh, released uh, not too long ago. I appreciate I appreciate the plug. Yeah, the book is called The Campaign. It's available on Amazon. Um, it's about uh, humankind's first foray into uh, running an artificial intelligence for public office. So it's not a it's not a sci-fi Terminator take over the world kind of story. It re- it really is kind of feet on the ground. If we ran a, uh, an artificial intelligence for office, how how would it play out? What how would people respond to it? What would the what would the outcome be? So perfect, perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. We really enjoyed you uh, again for the second time. This was a fantastic yeah, discussion. I always think I have one of the best uh, discussions with you because you're you're on the same level. We talk all the time. Um, but thank you again. If you have questions for us on the podcast, uh, or you'd like us to highlight something, please feel free to email us. Uh, my email is Damon, D-A-M-O-N, at Welke, W-E-L-K-E, U-S-A dot com. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. This has been Trade Secrets, the podcast hosted by Damon Piatek, President and CEO of Welke Customs Brokers USA. Thank you for listening.